Well, welcome back to the On The Dot podcast, everybody. We are so happy to be back. We have a very small crowd tonight. A um, few different reasons. Uh, one our, our person is Tad, of course, and he's not here doing the intro, so I had to step up and do the intro tonight. But Tad is sick. He had a very bad stomach ache and uh, was up throwing up a lot last night. So he will not be joining us for tonight. Uh, we're hoping that he gets better soon. Um, McKenna is out attending to some personal matters, and Jonathan will be joining us in a little bit. So we'll have four tonight. Um, Owen also had a bunch of homework tonight, so it didn't work out for him to join either. So we'll have Jonathan join in a little bit. But tonight, for now, it is just me, Mr. Andrew, and Miss Meredith. Um, it is good to be back with all of you guys. Please remember to check us out on TikTok, YouTube, Twitch, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and you're not going to see it on the screen yet because we have yet to make the change, but we are also on Google Podcasts now. Um, last week, I made the move to get us on Google Podcasts as well, so that is another platform that we are on. So in addition to those five, we are also on Google Platforms. Uh, be sure to check out the Discord as well. Uh, we have only had one person join the Discord server so far, so please Please, 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 if you want to interact with us, if you want to get to interact with you know, all of us that do the podcast, please join the Discord. We would love to interact with you guys. Um, yeah, so go, go check it out. Uh, Meredith, how are you? I'm good. Good. Wonderful. Doing well? Tad are better than you. What was it? I said Tad does the intro Yeah, because he, does, he doesn't care. Exactly. I, I do it way too professionally, but that's just what you get. With old Felipe. Anyway. So you doing well? Yeah, my head hurts, but I'm okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that in a minute. Uh, Andrew, how are you? I'm good. Good? How's life? It's gaming. It, it's coming along. Wonderful. That's good. Well, we had a very, very awesome weekend the last weekend. For those of you who check out and follow my YouTube or my uh, TikTok, you'll know that I posted some updates about that there. But would anybody like to tell the viewers what we did last weekend? It was terrible. <laughs> oh, there was a gun held in my head. <laughs> oh my gosh. Not true. Not true. <laughs> Well, Meredith came up to North Carolina and spent the weekend with us for Super Bowl weekend. Great weekend. Super Bowl was an awesome game. Uh, we had a big pickleball tournament on Saturday. That was enjoyable. Um, we had a lot of fun. A lot of fun with that. Uh, so, and, and so, I, if you know, if, if I understand correctly, Meredith, you uh, obtained a concussion while you were at my house. Is that correct? Correct. Hmm. And so, so how did that happen? So like, so how did that occur? I ran into big-headed Kyle playing football. <laughs> yeah, so Meredith was playing football, ran into somebody, another one of our friends with a big head, and boom, concussion. So Meredith has been able to do nothing since the weekend now that she's back in South Carolina because she is concussed. Pretty sad. Pretty miserable. Pretty sad, yeah. So best wishes. Hope you're feeling better. Um, hope you f continue to feel better as well. But anyway... Uh, yeah, so it's good to be back. Um, I'm still, like I told, I think I told everybody this on the last podcast, but I'm still making the effort to try to get us to do once a week. Still working on these people because nobody wants to do it once a week, but I'm still trying. I'm not going to give I up. Fine. Maybe once a week. Okay. Yeah, you're not the problem. Some other people don't. <laughs> but we'll see. I'll, uh, I'll continue to push for that. So hopefully we will be able to... Uh, pursue that um yeah everything's going going pretty good again i'll just slip this little in here please do check out if you so feel like you want to check out my personal uh tiktok and youtube and twitch all of that is in the description of wherever you are listening you get or watching what is it nothing no you, you, your mic cut out what'd you say i said you should get copyrighted because you stole some of my videos <laughs> uh well first of all as the how copyright claims work you actually have to own the content uh, which means you have to go through a licensing uh, uh process of actually what? you producing the content yourself a oh, and b i had the same brain. videos as you they weren't your videos i had the same exact videos of you i sent them to you not all of them you like two of them you did not all of them a lot of them were mine the tortilla 
that's all I can think of for the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh! And so, okay, that has nothing to do with it. Fell off one, married it to zero. Shut up. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> so. Go check it out if you guys would like. Now, for tonight's topic, since we don't have a huge crowd, uh, as I said, Jonathan will join us later, but since we don't have a huge crowd tonight, we are going to uh, discuss – well, it's not even really discussing something per se. We're going to react to something. A few weeks ago, we reacted to the – well, actually, it's been more than a few weeks. It's probably been a few months ago. We reacted to the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse video back when that was a whole ordeal. So we're going to react to another – Recent video. Um, just a heads up, this video is by a channel named Summoning Salt. Some of you are probably familiar with him. He has a, uh, see how many subscribers? 1.27 million subscribers on YouTube. Uh, his link to his channel and the link to the video we're going to react to will be in the description of this video. Um, he's an excellent content creator, produces excellent content uh, about speedrunning uh, from all different sorts of video games. Um, so. A little bit different, but hoping to provide some uh, good entertainment for us and also some popularity for Summoning Salt because he deserves every single view that he could get and every single subscription that he could get. And uh, hopefully that we could, yeah, I hope we could to help him get some, some more views on his videos, although it'll be minimal. But still, it'll be uh, fun to react to, so heads up, we do not own any of his content in this uh, video. All this and all the rights to this video go to Summoning Salt himself. Please go check him out. This video, yeah, if he's watching this video, I salute thee. Yes, yeah, Summoning Salt. Thank you, man. Is, you make awesome content. We love it. But all rights go to him. Uh, please go check him out on YouTube. As I said, the link uh, to his channel will be in the description, and the link to the video we're going to be watching will also be in the description. So with all of that blabber out of the way... I'm going to screen share for us uh, the YouTube video. So this is uh, a video that he did uh, f as at the time of recording five days ago. It is titled The History of Super Punch-Out World Records. Super Punch-Out is an old kind of uh, boxing game um, that's pretty popular in the speedrunning community. So... How long is it? Uh, the video itself is 54 minutes, which actually is perfect because it's about the same time as our podcast link. So it works out perfectly. So I'm going to go ahead and play the video. I told you, you didn't have to be here if you didn't want to, Meredith. You made the conscious choice to be here. So I don't want to hear any moping or complaining. All right, with that out of the way, let's do this. No, I can't say that. People say the N-word on the podcast. <laughs> 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 family friendly. That's right. Well, it's actually not technically family friendly. It's I mark the episodes that aren't family friendly. Super Punch-Out! has garnered a reputation as one of the most random speedruns out there. Of course, there's still a broad skill set needed precise timing, quick reactions, and an ability to adapt on the fly. But even when you do everything right, a fighter can throw the run in the garbage whenever he pleases. How do you oh, deal- perfect. That is actually perfect timing. Thank you, Jonathan. What's up, Jonathan? We are doing a What's podcast up? right now. Whoa, whoa! Come here. Jonathan, you oh, are alive, oh by the God. way. Ow. We're live right now. Say hi to the oh, Jonathan's dog live on the podcast. Ow. Stop it. Dog reveal. He's being attacked. Dog reveal. He's being assaulted. Live on podcast. Wow, he's good. That's going to be the thumbnail. That's, that'll be the thumbnail and the title. Jonathan gets assaulted live on mic. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Summoning pepper. Dog. Good baby. Oh, good baby. Jonathan gets assaulted oh. by summoning salt Don't live worry. on mic. Bro, what the heck is happening? All I see is a dog jumping. Jonathan, how you doing, bro? <laughs> I'm good, bro. <laughs> Watch this. I'm gonna legit disappear. Oh my heavens! It's amazing that you're. It's actually so dark that it 
envelops your your pale white glow in the darkness. Yeah, see, I told you I was literally gonna disappear. Uh, you had yeah, you disappeared. Wait, if Depression. I keep walking this way, no, I think the light on my phone is still bright enough. Darn. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so Jonathan, we are uh, reacting to a video from Summoning Salt. Have you ever heard of him? I have not actually. Okay. He does. I I I, I rather watch um, Commanding Pepper, not Summoning Salt. <laughs> He does excellent videos. In fact, you would love him since you played a lot of the Wii oh. games. Uh, but oh. you would love him. Commanding does... Pepper doesn't make excellent. He makes extravagant <laughs> videos. <laughs> so he makes videos uh, on speedrunning. He he goes in and, and highlights uh. the history of speedrunning for certain um. games. His most popular videos where he highlighted uh, the history of all every single one of the ultra shortcuts in Mario Kart Wii. And then he also did a video on the speed running of Wii Sports Resort Golf and Wii Sports itself. Jesus. Yep, there's a speed running community for just about every game, and he went in and he highlighted. Well, the, yeah, he highlighted the communities. I just didn't know Wii Sports yeah. is not something you'd be like, oh, I'm gonna speed run. Yeah, I yeah, I, but it's it actually it has a very popular that community really of of speed running, and he goes in and he oh, um he go he goes in and he like does videos on it. It's really interesting. And yeah. That's cool. Very interesting. So, um, we're reacting to this one. It's called the History of Super Punch Out World Records. It's that's this, crazy. It's really cool. It's really cool. So that's that's the our what we're gonna do in the podcast. Why tonight. am I upside down? <laughs> oh no. Anyway, so that's what we're gonna do tonight for the podcast. So, um, if you would like to tune in, feel free. Well, I am here. I am okay. tuned. You, do you want to tune in to screen share? Because I'm screen sharing the video. Sure. I'll probably tune in and out, Loki. No worries. No worries. All right. Let's do this. With that much randomness in the speedrun. Well, the world record holders in Super Punch-Out have figured out a way. And over the past decade, they've been able to beat it and drive the record down lower and lower. This is the history of Super Punch-Out! World Records. I love this intro music. Here's a timeline of the Super Punch-Out! single segment record. It's not filled in yet, but we'll get it there. A single segment run is essentially playing through the whole game and adding up the in-game time of all fights. There are 16 boxers in Super Punch-Out!, divided into 4 circuits, so a single segment run consists of the total time of all 16 fights. Now, Super Punch-Out! is a bit different than runs I've covered before. It is quite literally a gauntlet of RNG. You have to make it through all 16 fights relatively unscathed from bad luck to complete a good run. The fights range from non-random to can kill your run with one foul swoop. And of course, you have to execute on top of that. If you get good luck but make an execution mistake, your run may be over. Interestingly, the strategies themselves haven't changed that much over the years. Instead, the progression has come from improving execution and getting the RNG gauntlet to better align. And believe me, it has made for some unbelievable stories over the years. But for now, let's go back to December 2012, when a runner completed one of the earliest single segment runs of Super Punch-Out. He's arguably the most well-known punch-out runner in the world today, but back then, he was relatively unknown. His name is Zallard1. Zallard1. Zallard performed his run on Christmas Eve 2012, his first completed single segment run, which also happened to be the world record. Right off the bat, you've got two types of fights in Super Punch-Out, the random ones and the non-random ones. The non-random fights tend to be toward the start of the game, like the first fight, Gabby J. 
Zallard started by repeatedly punching him in the face. These punches were all buffered, meaning as soon as one was thrown, he held the buttons for the next so it would come out on the first frame possible. These face punches served two purposes. First, they helped fill the super meter, seen here at the bottom of the screen. Once filled, you can throw super punches that do more damage. And second, they helped fill the dizzy meter, a mechanic abused across all 16 fights in the game. If you punch an opponent a lot in a short period of time, an invisible dizzy meter starts to get filled. Do this enough, and they'll become dizzy and back away. By precisely timing a punch when they come back, they'll get knocked down instantly. This is used across the run to score quick knockdowns, and leads to most opponents being beaten in just seconds. Finally, there was one last step to this fight. A dizzy opponent has that window where they can instantly be knocked down. However, this window can be quite small, and it's easy for even a world-class player to miss. Fortunately, Zallard invented a way around that. Buffer strategies. By chaining a series of inputs together, it's possible to waste the exact number of frames you want so an attack will land on the same frame every time. For example, let's say Gabby J's knockdown window is between 120 and 129 frames after the dizzy begins. Well, it just so happens that a full duck, a right body punch, and a high super waste exactly 120 frames, so if you just buffer those inputs together, making each come out on the first frame possible, the super comes out at the perfect time to knock him down. Buffers like this exist on every fight in the game, and help make really the dizzy knockdowns much more consistent. That's really cool. Non-random fights like Gabby J are usually pretty simple, but the difficulty level ramps up as the game goes on. Take Aaron Ryan, the ninth fight. The first knockdown is from a dizzy, but when he gets up, you have to precisely time a super to counter his attack and send him down again. Zaller didn't have a buffer to time it, but he nailed it to send him down for the KO. Those fights are non-random or close to it. Others include Piston Hurricane, Mr. Sandman, and Heike Kagero. You get them dizzy and use a buffer to knock them down. Some have tough punches that have to be timed, while others are even simpler. That's the gist of the non-random fights. But then, there are the random fights. These are the fights that more or less define Super Punch-Out as a speed game. Not only do you need to execute properly, that's a given, but you also need to deal with luck. Luck that can range from a golden opportunity to potentially killing a run. Take Dragon Chan, the sixth fight in the game. The first phase of the fight, up until the first knockdown, is simple. You throw a sequence of gut punches, most with a slight delay before them, then use a buffer sequence to send him down. Phase 2, once he's up from the first knockdown, is where the randomness begins. There are three things Dragon Chan can do here. 50% of the time he does kicks, where you have to just dodge out of the way, then use rapid punches to send him down at around 12 seconds. 25% of the time, he does a slow heal, where he stands still and tries to heal his health. Two supers send him down, and you get a time in the high 9 second range. And 25% of the time, he does a fast heal, where using just one super gives a time in the high 7s. That's a range of more than 4 seconds for one fight. Given that boxers are beaten in 15 seconds or less, that's a massive time swing. That is, yeah. And Dragon Chan is just one example. Zallard had to deal with luck like this on more than half the fights in the game. That's crazy. But we'll get to that later. Wow. For now, the sum of his 16 fights came out to 3 minutes and 10 seconds. It was a well-executed run, and had a range of good and bad luck. Over the following few weeks in 2013, Zallard would keep doing attempts and chipping away at the record. He took it lower into the threes, 
approaching the sub-3 barrier but falling just short. However, on March 19th, thanks to a couple fights in particular, Zallard had a very promising run. This is Bob Charlie. He's a gauntlet of RNG, and being the fifth fight in the game, he's the earliest boxer who can kill a run from randomness alone. Zallard went for the riskiest strategy on Bob, which involves hitting him seven times in the face to get him dizzy. However, he can randomly dodge any of these seven punches, meaning wow. you have to do an additional punch later on to make up for it. He can also dodge that punch. So to get the fastest time on Bob with this strategy, all seven of your punches need to go through, and a super in phase two needs to as well. It can lead to a time in the five second range. However, every dodged punch loses a second and a half. Wow. One dodge isn't too bad, but two or three or four dodges? Your time can spiral in a hurry. Luckily for Zallard, on this particular run, Bob only dodged once, so he moved on with a very solid 6.99. Unfortunately, Dragon Chan gave kicks, so he failed to gain much time there. But thanks to some very solid execution down the stretch, Zallard was able to keep it close going into the special circuit. And it was there he had to face off against Hoy Carlo. <laughs> Hoy Carlo. Hoy is absolutely brutal. He's extremely random, and he's the third to last fight in the game. Not an opportune time for a bunch of RNG. A lot of the first phase of the fight is playing it by ear. You want to throw punches and hit him with supers to get him dizzy. Of course, he can randomly block you, duck under punches, and potentially shove you to the side. If he shoves, it destroys your dizzy meter and can kill your run instantly. In phases 2 and 3, you need to throw supers to knock him down twice more. He can randomly duck under these. Each duck loses about a second and a half, or potentially more depending on his next moves. Now, in theory, if you play it risky and get no blocks, shoves, or ducks, you can beat Hoi in 8 seconds. But good luck with that. The odds in getting it were less than 2%. A 10 to 12 second Hoi is very solid, but it can get ugly quickly. If he shoves in phase 1, it can be impossible to beat him in under 20 seconds. As you can imagine, it's awful to have to deal with this at the end of a run. But this time, Zallard got some luck. An 11 second Hoi with no ducks. It put him ahead, and he never looked back. A 2.54 single segment run. Fantastic execution, great luck, and sub 3 by a mile. In the description, Zallard could only manage one word of analysis. What? With the record being well below 3 minutes, Zallard would take a break what? from Super Punch-Out runs. He was the only runner in sight of the record. Months passed, and his 254 was just solidified at the top. But as good as that 254 was, Zallard knew he could still squeeze a bit more time out of it. And with all the randomness across the game, in theory, the record could come under 250. So in early 2014, he hopped back on and started doing attempts. On January 23rd, he had a run with an okay start. Two dodges from Bob Charlie, and some mistakes that put him slightly further behind. On Hoy, he got a solid 12 second fight with no ducks, but some bad luck at the end brought the run back to nearly even. In the end, Zallard technically did have himself a new record. Just weeks later, he chipped away a bit more. He had a reasonable pace into the special circuit with time to save. However, he still had to get through Hoi. One, two, yuck, dick, three dodges. Not exactly ideal. 
Even so, with time to save at the end, Zallard was able to do it again. Fuck yeah! Another third of a second. <laughs> now, these records were nice and all, but they weren't exactly setting the world on fire. In all, Zallard had lowered the record by 0.75 seconds. He knew he could do more. He continued with attempts, and weeks passed, but the game's killer randomness prevented any other records. It was starting to get very frustrating. And then came February 27th, 2014. It's like the music where you know that something's about to happen. This was an incredible chance for Zallard. Luck had finally gone his way. His execution had been on point from start to finish, more than four seconds ahead of the record. This was a rare opportunity to jump straight to the 240s. But in his way was one more fight, the last fight in the game. And this one was gonna be tough, Nick Bruiser. Nick Bruiser is the most difficult fight in the run by a long shot. Just as with other fights, your goal is to get Nick dizzy and time a super to knock him down. The best way to get him dizzy is to counter him, then jab him out until the meter is filled and he backs away. Seems simple, right? Well, there's one extra consideration to make. Nick can throw his punch either high or low. There's a 50% chance of each. So you start the fight with two face punches, and then you have to react to which punch he sets up to throw. If Nick drops his gloves down, he's throwing low, and you counter with a body punch. If instead he brings them up high, you counter with a face punch. The window to react to this is just barely within the limits of a human reaction time. You have to see if his gloves are high or low, then send the signal to your hands to throw high or low in time before Nick punches you. If you're playing with any input delay, this is practically impossible. The only way to have a real chance is to play on console with a CRT TV. Now imagine having to do that at the very end of a record-paced run, after all the insane RNG from the first 15 fights. The pressure you're under in a situation like this is enormous. Nick can also switch his guard partway through, starting with his gloves high and bringing them low, or vice versa. You have to react if he does that. And finally, if you do everything properly in phase 1, well, congratulations, you have to do the exact same thing in phase 2, unless wow. he randomly blocks you in which case you have to get lucky and hope he lets you land two supers in a row. So, Zallard entered Nick Bruiser four seconds ahead of the record. If he was going to pull this off, he had to execute the most difficult strategy in the game on one of the best paces he had ever been on. Just don't mess up. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Not only did he hit the counter, but he did so on the first frame possible. A frame-perfect counter speeds up phase one by a fraction of a second and allows for some wiggle room later on. One more phase, and the sub-250 would be his. Oh please, stay down, stay down you motherfucker. Yes! Yes! Wow. Fuck yes, dude! He got yeah, it. Fuck Super Punch Out. Wow. Dang. Super Punch Out had just been taken to a new level. A sub 250 was Zallard's ultimate goal, and in dramatic fashion, he had done it. With nobody close to him on the leaderboards, 
he felt safe to stop running the game. Mission accomplished. Heartbreaking. Nick threw his punch up, but Zallard missed the counter. It was on pace for a mind-boggling 240 with two fights to go, and a 243 into Nick. This wouldn't have beaten the record. It would have obliterated it. Unfortunately, landing counters on Nick under pressure is one of the hardest things you can do. And this time, it was just too much for him. But what this run did do was prove how much time was still left to save. He saved almost 7 seconds combined on Bob Charlie and Dragon Chan, with just one dodge and the fast heal respectively. There was also some time to save on Hoi. Getting a time around 10 seconds was reasonable. The real problem was getting all that to line up then landing counters on Nick, knowing what you're about to possibly do. But the potential was there. If not for a 240, then maybe for something more reasonable. On June 3rd, 2015, Zallard had a run that saved the 7 seconds early, but unfortunately, he lost most of that time on Mad Clown. Clown is yet another point of severe RNG in the run. There's a lot that goes into it, but a lot of what to look for is what happens right at the start. You begin by throwing two face punches and hoping they both land. If they do, you're in good shape for later. If he dodges, you're losing about a second. But if he blocks, you lose time there and in phase two since he gets a bigger health refill. If both punches land to start the fight, you can beat Clown in as low as nine seconds. That's the best case scenario. An average, standard Mad Clown fight is in the 12 second range. However, if he really wants to screw around, it can get much worse. And on this particular run, Clown wasn't playing nice and Zallard missed the counter to waste a few seconds. A 16 on Clown is pretty rough, and most of his lead was eliminated. But an 11 on Hoi, and a good Nick fight, was enough for a solid record. <laughs> wow, dude. For real? For real, dude? Just a few days later, Zallard would follow this up with another record, a 244. It was a nice time, but a frustrating run of give and take. He got a 5 on Bob but it was immediately followed up with kicks on Dragon Chan. He gained several seconds on Clown, but lost a few on Hoi. But really, he was fortunate to get what he did. In Super Punch-Out, every fight from Mad Clown onwards can kill your run just from luck alone. That's six luck gauntlets in a row you have to get through. If one fails, you might have to reset. The game can take an incredible pace and make it look like dirt before you realize what happened. Take this run, June 10th, 2015. Everything was going right. Zallard had managed a 5 on Bob Charlie, a 7 on Dragon Chan from the low heel, and a reasonable 13 on Mad Clown. He was 3.5 seconds ahead, with more time to save later. 
He just had to make it through the next few fights. This is Super Macho Man, <laughs> the last fight in the world circuit. Zallard's phase one strategy at the time was simple. Start with a gut punch, then counter him a couple times, throw a couple supers, and knock him down in the upper six second range. Macho can mess things up if he dances around, but more often than not, you should be good for a knockdown in the upper sixes. However, this fight takes a turn in phase two. You can get Macho to stay down for the second knockdown, but only if this knockdown comes within the following three seconds after the first knockdown. So, in this scenario, if your second knockdown comes at 7, 8, or 9 seconds, Macho will stay down for a KO. If it comes at 10 seconds or later, he'll get up and you'll have to knock him down a third time. This mechanic is carried across many fights in the game. So, Zallard had to go for a very quick knockdown in phase 2. He had to throw a low super, counter in the gut, then knock him down with another low super. If Macho moves around at the start, this strategy doesn't work. If Macho does any of his three exercise programs, this strategy doesn't work. The only way it works is if Macho stands perfectly still for the whole phase. It's possible, but not very likely. So what did Macho do this time? What I thought. He lost more than 7 seconds. A brutal blow, but the run was still technically alive. Next up, however, was Narciss Prince, the most random fight in the entire game. Honestly, there's too many different things this guy can do to explain here. He can randomly block you, dodge you, give many different patterns, and much more. But he has the same KO mechanic as Macho, where if your second knockdown is within 3 seconds of your first, he typically stays down for good. With maximum cooperation, it's possible to beat Narciss in the 10 to 11 second range. But there's so much that can go wrong. Anything under 15 seconds was considered a pretty good fight, but if Narciss wants to waste time, he can make the KO impossible and essentially kill the run. And what sort of fight do you think he gave Zallard on this run? Oh boy. <laughs> nice. Good shit, Narciss. You're so good. Let's see here. What is that? 21.73? 12 seconds. Nope. Run over. A small mistake plus a lot of bad luck. In just two fights, one of Zallard's wow. best paces ever was completely destroyed. He had just lost 16 seconds, largely due to no fault of his own. Because you see, Super Punch-Out does not care about the runner. It doesn't care what pace you're on. It doesn't care how badly you want the record. It doesn't care how well you're playing. It can take away your run whenever it feels. You can be on the run of your life, execute everything perfectly, but if you get bad luck, it's game over, and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. So, this would be 244 the most was where the record stayed. More months went by, with no improvements in sight. Interestingly, in August 2015, a second person managed a sub-3 when Hootie pulled off a 253. But he was far from the record. Still. Zallard at least had a little bit of competition now. In September, Zallard did shave off another couple tenths of a second, but this wasn't the multiple second improvement he knew was possible. But on September 30th, he was gonna have a chance. A second behind the record, with six fights to go, Zallard entered Mad Clown, needing a good fight. He ended up with an 11 easily good enough. On Macho, he got the good luck for a 10 second fight. Narciss didn't mess around too much, and he was able to get the KO at 11 seconds. Suddenly, 
Zallard was back in the lead. Well, then. Next up was Hoy, who we know can be just awful. But he got no ducks in phases 2 or 3. Yet another 11 second fight. And Zallard was 2 seconds ahead, with 2 fights to go. This run was on pace for a 2.41, the type of run Zallard had been looking for for years. But there's one fight I haven't told you about yet. Oh no. Because Nick Bruiser has a twin brother that comes right before him. This is Rick Bruiser. Oh man. Rick is a really straightforward fight. There's no luck involved for the first two phases, and the execution isn't too hard either. You get him dizzy in phase one, then use counters and supers in phase two. That stuff's fine. But then there's phase three. The entire fight is made or broken on the first punch of this phase. If this high super lands, you'll finish the fight at 11 seconds. If it doesn't, you're getting a 16, or in rare cases a 14, but more often than not, it's a 16. Wow. That's a 5 second difference. Enormous for a game like this. 5 eighths of the time, the super lands. 3 eighths of the time, it does not. That's all there is to it. Oh man. <laughs> a little over half the time, oh, no. Rick Bruiser will let you through, but 3 times out of 8, he will destroy your run. Oh, so, Zallard so entered the crazy, fight dude. two seconds ahead. A huge opportunity. But he had the threat of a massive time loss hanging over his head. And what did Rick Bruiser do? Well, it's super punch out, late on record pace. What do you think Rick did? Oh no, no! Don't tell me. No! Oh. So it's over. The run is dead. No mercy. Man. Man. 2.44 is where the record would have to stay. Oh. Zallard took a break for a few months, but still, there was no real threat to his record. Hootie was still the second place runner, nearly 10 seconds behind. So, in early 2016, Zallard came back for more praying he could get the last few seconds within his grasp. On April 14th, he had a run slightly behind with four fights to go. He had time to save against a 14 Narciss split, and managed a 13. Hoy was another fight with time to save, and once again he squeezed out a second. So, Zallard was ahead going into Rick Bruiser. If he would just stand still and take the uppercut, he was gonna have a shot at the record. He needed the 5 8 luck. We got it. And he got it. Zallard was now two Nick counters away from a world record. Finally, nice. Zallard had lowered the record. This wasn't the god run he was looking for. Dragon Chan gave kicks, Clown gave a 12, and the special circuit could have been better, but it was still a 2.43. After this run, Zallard took a step back not only from Super Punch-Out, but from speedrunning as a whole. For a year and a half, he didn't do any runs giving other runners a serious opportunity to step in and take the record. But nobody did. Zallard remained at the top unchallenged, with the closest player still being Hootie. It's quite rare to have records undisputed for this long, it is, but Zallard's rare. mastery of the game was far ahead of anyone else's. Finally, 18 months after his 2.43, he went back to attempts. It was hard to expect a record right away, since it had been so long since his last attempts. It took some time to get back into it, but he eventually started getting runs deep. Still, 
nothing good enough for a record. But all of a sudden, on November 29th, 2017, Zallard found himself on this run. Oh lordy. Whoa, four seconds ahead of the record? Oh wow. Wait a second. Five seconds ahead of the record on Mad Clown, wow. This is kind of stupid. Dude, if I get the K, there, there's no way I'm getting the KO, dude. Oh, dude. No fucking way, dude. No fucking way. What is this? Wow. Five. What is this bullshit? Wow. Oh my goodness. Rick could totally fucking dodge me, and it could still be okay. What? Oh my goodness, come on. I'm gonna miss, dude. I'm gonna miss. Come on, please, please. One more to go, please. Come on, please. One of the toughest things to do in speedrunning is executing under pressure. Super Punch-Out may be known for its randomness, but even when the luck aligns, you still have to execute. And if you don't, you're gonna get punished. Fortunately, after years of running the game, Zallard had become quite resilient, and a few months later, he had another run ahead into the special circuit, albeit not quite as far ahead. But suddenly, after managing a 10 on Hoi, the pace became much more serious. A 6 second lead late in the run, just 2 fights to go, a huge chance for redemption. Wanna guess what Rick did in phase 3? Of course. Still, he led by about a second, and hit the counters on Nick for a small record. That's it. It wasn't what it could have been, but a 242 was still progress made. And on April 26th, he'd make even more progress. A 240.36. Cutting off nearly two seconds, this was the biggest improvement he had made to the record in nearly three years. But at the end of the run, Zaller didn't sound too happy about it. Give me the unwinnable luck here, please. Please. God fucking damn it, dude. Dude. Are you kidding? Why was that? Well, despite the improvement, this run could have been a lot better. On Mr. Sandman, he mistimed a high super to lose two seconds. And on Hoy, he lost over a second and a half from a mistimed low super. Had he not made those errors, this run would have finished at an incredible 2.36. But mistakes were made, and the result was a frustrating world record. Take a look at this timeline. This was all Zallard. He had set 16 records over wow. the course of five and a half years. This sort of thing is very rarely seen in speedrunning. A runner can sometimes dominate for a few years, but for it to continue for this long was pretty special. Zallard had eyes for a run in the 230s, but 240 was a seriously good time. And it was going to have to be good enough, as Zallard slowly stopped playing and didn't run the game for months. His 240 remained at the top unchallenged. But suddenly, in 2019, the unthinkable happened. A new contender began rising up the leaderboards. He became the second player to get a time under 250, Ooh. and suddenly, he was just 5 seconds from the record. 
and he was going to try to do something nobody else had done before. Become the first Super Punch-Out! single-segment record holder not named Zallard 1. His name was Mystery Man 95. Mystery Man was a seasoned veteran in the Punch-Out! series, running Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! and holding the record in Punch-Out! Wii. These games all require precise timing and rhythm, so it's no wonder he was able to adapt so easily. But there's one other thing to keep in mind about Mystery Man. He played on Wii U Virtual Console, meaning he had a few frames of input delay. Remember how you have to react to Nick Bruiser's guard? That's effectively impossible with input delay. So, Mystery Man had to just guess where Nick's guard would be and not react. This added a huge luck barrier to the end of the game. He'd usually have to correctly guess a 50-50 guard position twice in a row, once in Phase 1 and once in Phase 2. He'd need to do that to have any shot at beating Zallard's record. Fortunately, Mystery Man had some strategies to help on other fights. One was on Bob Charlie. The old strategy involved 7 punches in Phase 1 where Bob could dodge any of them. Instead, he countered Bob on the 5th one and did the rest while stunning him. This cost about a second, but made it so that Bob could now only dodge the first 4 punches rather than all 7. He also did something different on Macho. By delaying Phase 1 slightly to get the knockdown at a 7 instead of a 6, the KO window shifted up to 10 seconds instead of 9. You could then delay the first punch of Phase 2 so that it intercepts if Macho hops to the side, making a KO possible in more situations. These strategies were both developed by Chambers, and Zaller did use them for his last few records, but not the majority of them. And Hoodie had figured out something additional on Macho, ducking into a left jab, right jab to start Phase 1 to counter Macho if he dances at the start. So, Mystery Man had a chance to really put these strats to use and see what he could do. And in August 2019, with his personal best at 2.45, he was going to try to close the gap on one attempt. I love this music. of Super Punch-Out, and he had done it by a mile. Mystery Man himself didn't see this coming. A 236 demolished the record. The most incredible part of this run was the special circuit. It set a new standard. A 12 on Narciss was a solid start, but a 9 on Hoi was incredible. He had a perfect Phase 1 and just one duck in Phase 2. Rick took the uppercut in Phase 3, and he landed both counters on Nick. These were the types of special circuits you needed for a world record. You need great luck, and no mistakes. And despite the input delay, despite the massive odds against him, Mystery Man had pulled it off at the end of a run. For the first time ever, the record didn't belong to Zallard 1. Mystery Man had ushered in a new era of Super Punch-Out! speedrunning, as slowly, the leaderboard began to expand with more people attaining sub-3s. This was the type of competition Super Punch-Out! had been missing for the last several years. By mid-2020, 
there were seven runners with a time below three minutes. One of those people was known as Stock. Stock had a similar path to Mystery Man, slowly lowering his personal best before settling on a 245. This meant he was still nine seconds from the record. But in August 2020, he would find himself on a remarkable pace. 10 seconds ahead of his personal best, and a second Whoa, ahead of the record, going gracious. into Rick Bruiser. This was a 235 pace, and he was in position to take the record. He just needed Rick to stand still in phase three. Nah, he did well. not. But thanks to his huge lead, Stock still finished with a 239, the second sub 240 ever achieved. Entering 2021, Mystery Man's world record was still on top, but the community was ever expanding. By February, two more players had achieved times in the low 240s, Cranklinson and Mr. Mega, and the top of the leaderboard was getting quite crowded. It seemed inevitable that someone was gonna break through. And on February 26th, Cranklinson was gonna have a shot at it. He fell behind early thanks to a dodge from Bob and the slow heal on Dragon Chan. But from there, everything got better. A 9 on Clown, a 10 on Macho, and a 9 on Narcissus. Three essentially perfect splits in a row. A 10 on Hoi was easily good enough, and Rick took the uppercut. He was about a second ahead of the record going into Nick Bruiser. But here's the thing. Just like Mystery Man, Cranklinson played on Wii U Virtual Console. So, he too had to guess on both of Nick's counters. The odds were stacked against him, but all he could do was try. Wow! New world record, 235.68. Cranklinson had about as close to a perfect second half as possible. Specifically, these three fights were impossible to gain time on, at least with the strategies he was using. The major circuit lost him some time, but when combined with the incredible second half, it was easily good enough for a record. As 2021 continued, the leaderboards became more and more active. By May, six people had a time in the 230s. Oh, that's so cool. As incredible as Zallard's dominance was, he was now in 7th place. The level of luck you needed for a world record run was rapidly increasing. If you got a 12 on Narciss, that suddenly didn't look so good compared to the 9 that was in the record. A few new strategies were worked out, particularly on Narciss, but the biggest one was on Hoi. Cranklins had figured out a new phase 1 that would ultimately give a higher chance for the 8 second TKO. Those fights would be crucial as the record was approaching the low 230s. In mid-2021, players Murakuma, Mr. Mega, Universe, and Fat Potato Seal would all have runs make it to the final two fights on record pace. Sadly, in Murakuma's case, he made a mistake on Rick. And for the rest, they lost the run to Nick Bruiser. Especially at the end of a run, it was really hard to get everything to align. But players knew there was a little more they could get out of this run. With several people at the top trying, they knew that the god run could happen. A run where everything lines up. But the odds in a run like this were getting very low. At this point, likely one in several hundred. Was anybody going to take it below 235? On September 3rd, 2021, Mr. Mega was doing some record attempts, and he suddenly found himself on an incredible pace. A 6 on Bob, followed by a 7 on Dragon Chan and a 7 on Masked Muscle. Three fights in a row with perfect RNG. So far, this was essentially a perfect run. He lost a bit over a second thanks to a 10 on Clown, and got a 12 on Narciss but he could easily afford it on this pace. A little over a second ahead going into Hoi, 
Now more than ever, he needed a good fight. Wow. And eight is a perfect time for Hoy. Rick Bruiser led his super through, and Mr. Mega was three and a half seconds ahead into Nick Bruiser. This wasn't just world record pace. This was destroy the world record pace. If there was ever a time to execute on Nick Bruiser, this was it. No pressure. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Wow. A huge world record wow. from Mr. Mega. He had just shot himself from 5th to 1st place. Oh my goodness. This was the time the community had been looking for for all these years. A run in the low 230s. Wow. Good luck nearly everywhere. And nailing it down on Nick Bruiser. It wasn't perfect, but the opportunities for time saves were extremely limited. Super Punch-Out had finally gotten the run it deserved. And that's where this video would end. That's where the story would end. But it doesn't. Yep. Look, I don't switch to first-person narration often, but I don't really have words to adequately describe what happened next. Because eight days after Mr. Mega set this record, Fat Potato Seal did one of the craziest things I've ever seen. <laughs> On screen is the running total of the odds of the run Fat Potato Seal was on. He entered the first major luck barrier in the game, Bob Charlie, and ended up getting a 6. A perfect fight with no dodges or blocks. He then fought Dragon Chan, and once again got perfect luck I love, with a I love low this, heal. I love this kind of stuff. Masked Muscle also gave the best luck possible. I'll talk about this. He had gotten perfect luck through the first half of the game. He moved to the second half. On Mad Clown, he got a 9 second fight. The best possible luck. Oh my gosh. On Macho, he got the KO at 10 seconds. The best possible luck. <laughs> On Narciss, he got a 9 second KO. What? Technically a high 8 is possible, but a low 9 is essentially the best possible luck. 52. On Hoi, he got an 8 second TKO. The best possible luck. What? Then it was time for Rick and his I random uppercut in phase not. 3. And yes, oh. he got the best My possible luck. I've been making these videos for 5 years, and this run... I genuinely don't remember seeing anything like this in any other game. Other than half a second from Narciss, on every single fight with significant RNG swing, he had just gotten perfect luck with his strategies. Not good luck, not great luck, perfect luck. Fat Potato Seal was on a 227 pace into Nick Bruiser. Just imagine the pressure in a situation like this. Knowing this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, your hands start to go numb. You feel your heart beating in your throat. Basic tasks become nearly impossible. And landing counters on Nick Bruiser is anything but a basic task. But he might never see this pace again in his life.
Hey guys, Phil here again. Um, so I know the recording kind of awkwardly cut out there at the end. Uh, we had a problem with the stream at the very end of our broadcast. Uh, the video was almost over. Anyway, there was only about five minutes, four minutes left anyway, and then we just had some closing comments about it. Uh, we did have some insightful comments about uh, on the end there, so I'm a little disappointed that, but sorry for the inconvenience. The stream just had a, a malfunction. We didn't realize it until later that it had just it had crashed, and uh, we didn't get the last little bit of the podcast in, but anyway... So I just wanted to come make sure to clear that up so because, you know, it was a little bit of a weird transition right right there at the end, just kind of abruptly stopping. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you all so much for watching. We will hopefully see you guys very soon. Yeah, thank you guys. Bye.